Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Glenn Jones, who's GVP of Product Strategy and Marketing at Bloom Global. And today we're going to talk about technology's role in enabling supply chain sustainability. Now, more than 15 years ago, uh, Walmart CEO at the time, Lee Scott, gave a, uh, a speech titled 21st century leadership that arguably kicked off the supply chain sustainability uh, era. And over the years, you know, some companies have made sustainability a priority while others, you know, have not. Um, so what is the current state of supply chain sustainability? Um, are there, you know, current factors or trends that are driving, you know, its focus to, to increase? And, and if so, what are some of those, those factors? And how is technology helping companies achieve their sustainability goals? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to address in today's episode, and it's great to have Glenn on the program to share his insights and advice on this topic. So, Glenn, welcome to the program. Thanks, thanks, Adrian. I, I appreciate it, and uh, you know, we here at uh, Bloom Global are very focused on sustainability. It's uh, it, it's a top of mind for us, and as importantly, it's very top of mind for our customers today. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think that, that that's one of the things that. Um, <laughs> I think this is a very timely, relevant topic because, you know, obviously there's a lot, been a lot of discussion with, you know, the pandemic and obviously in recent days, you know, the, the Suez Canal and, and, and the ship there. But sustainability has been something, like I just said, that has been, you know, been talked about, has been an area of focus for now many, many years. And I think, you know, I think we're going to continue to see, if anything, you know, a, uh, um, you know, increased focus and attention, uh, you know, in this area. Um, but before we kind of dive into the, you know, those details, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time, but you're, you're a first time guest here on, on Talking Logistics. So like yep. I always like to do, I, I, I'm always curious. I don't think I even asked you this in the past. I'm always curious how people get involved in this industry to begin with. So maybe as a way to start, I mean, why don't you share a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved in this industry and again, what your current role and responsibilities are there at Bloom Global? Yeah, well, thanks. So I have been uh, developing software or leading teams to develop software in this industry for a little over 20 years, I guess. I started, uh, well, started my career way back in uh, at Raytheon building uh, interesting systems that probably can't talk about. But, uh, but coming out, and these were very complex systems. And uh, But my degree and back uh, early backgrounds, all uh, industrial engineering and supply chain. So I uh, joined I2 Technologies back in the late uh, 90s, phenomenal company, uh, you know, did really well, uh, learned a lot about uh, supply chain through that. And then I've worked in a variety of startups since then. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, we were some of the first companies to come out with SaaS offerings in supply chain execution. Uh, I was at uh, you know, One Network, uh, E2 Open, running engineering, who uh, co-founded a company called Elementum. Uh, that is also, you know, a, 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 a great company in this in, in this area. Anyways, and then uh, uh, I wound up at Bloom about uh, two and a half years ago, I guess. I'd worked with Provender Johar, CEO, uh, in the past at another company, and we grew it and, 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 and sold it. So I love the logistics. I love the execution part. I built kind of planning systems also, but I find these systems are, you know, they're mission critical. They're absolutely essential to customers. If, you know, we go down for any reason, then our customers start losing money. So it's, it, I like that thrill. I like that uh, kind of startup feel. So Provender has kind of reinvented Bloom, uh, rebranded it. And, and, and we really, you know, while we've been in business 26 years, 
Uh, we are running like a startup today. 70% of our headcount is R&D. And so we're very much an R&D company. We're focused on delivering value out to our customers in a software as a service platform. So you know, that's a little bit about Bloom. Look at the news and we'll, we'll talk about this maybe at a different time, but we just introduced a new technology called uh, Bloom Maps and we're very proud of uh, what we're doing there. Anyway, so that's a little bit about me and a little bit about Bloom. Uh, yeah, no, great, great, great uh, career journey. I think you and I go back to to the I two days, so that, that's yep. certainly going back, you know, some time. And uh, and certainly, I've I've worked with you know Provinder in the past as well. And and I think you know the area that you're focused in right now is certainly in the spotlight today with everything going on in, in from a global logistics you know standpoint and, and transportation standpoint. Um, so so let's get now into the topic, you know, sustainability. I mean, like like I talked about, um, you know, in my opening comments. I mean, companies I've been talking about. You know, supply chain sustainability for, for many years, but is it becoming a growing priority today? And, and if so, what's what's kind of driving that renewed focus? Yeah, so I think during the pandemic, uh, it, it 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 subsided a little bit. Uh, so we, you know, our main markets are uh, certainly kind of what we call the shipper market or the industrial uh, manufacturing and uh, in high tech electronics uh, retail. Uh, but also our, our core markets are the um, uh, freight forwarders or logistics service providers and also the carriers, the, the large uh, ocean carriers. And, uh, and, and it kind of took a back seat during 2020, like a lot of other things did. But there's no question this year, our customers are coming to us and saying, hey, this is a high priority. You know, one of the things that we've, we've been asked to do is, is become carbon neutral ourselves. So we have our own internal initiatives uh, in order to do, you know, continue to do business. And of course, we want to do this anyways. So we've, you know, pulled in an external company to go analyze what all we're doing. And, and uh, of course, you, not many people are driving into work these days, so that doesn't really count. But, uh, but the other things that we're doing in our hosting centers and things like that. And so we're, you know, going to wind up uh, uh, providing funding back into, uh, you know, carbon neutral initiatives. And, and our customers are the same way. You know, they we are now having to build into our products, and we can talk more about that. Uh, um, ways for our customers to see how much carbon emissions are they actually uh, you know driving back in by you know uh, carrier selections and selecting certain kinds of routes and and things like that. So they want visibility into that, so they can make better decisions. And, and so it's kind of that, uh, uh, those are the kind of things we're being, we're being asked to do. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, it, it sounds like even in your own case, you know, it's your customers that are helping to drive, you know, that, that move and that focus. And I'm hearing the same thing from a lot of, you know, uh, companies as well. You know, a lot of it is driven by, you know, particularly the, the younger consumers, right, that have become much more yep. sensitive and whether the environment and sustainability um, is arguably a higher priority or something that they're more in tune with than perhaps let's say uh, folks that, that, that are our age or older, right? Um, yep. but, but I think even across the board, I think you know, people have become much more uh, informed and much more concerned about what's happening you know, with the environment. And that's playing a role in, in not only in, in kind of positioning their brands to be you know, socially responsible, and, and that's a broad you know, category there, but it's something that they're finding, you know, I'm kind of curious in your, your experience as well, 
even folks that, you know, when they're high, when they're looking for a new position or where they're hiring, they want to know whether the company that they're interviewing for, you know, yep. what their sustainability uh, initiatives are, what their role is and so forth. And that's becoming something that young, um, young employees are, are looking at when they're considering which jobs to take. Absolutely. Of course, I'll, I live in the Bay Area. <laughs> And you could probably consider that a, a, a pretty liberal area. And there's no question that the engineers that we try to recruit, they are asking questions like that. You know, they want to come in and they want they want to understand, you know, what are we doing to, to help our environment? It's a it's a good and easy story for us because we're kind of foremost there. But I'm even finding we're building large organizations now uh, in, in India. And we're getting those questions there too. So it is, it's worldwide. It, it's not just in the United States. It's not just US and Europe, but it, it's pretty much worldwide. Uh, uh, these, these people wanna know, you know, how are you contributing back and, and what are you doing to, to, to support sustainability? Right. And I think, I think, you know, even over the years, I think moving forward, I mean, you are seeing, you know, regulations that are helping to drive this as well. You're, you're seeing, um, you know, even the investment community, investors kind of, uh, you know, serving as a catalyst for this as well. So I think it's coming from, you know, you know, multiple, uh, you know, angles. Um, so it's kind of bringing it down to the kind of the supply chain. I mean, as you look across, you know, the supply chain, I mean, wh where are the biggest opportunities for, for companies to make a difference in this area? Yeah, so, you know, uh, we see there's there's two big contributors in, in, in and when we talk about supply chain, I mean, we really focus on logistics. We're not, you know, manufacturing and MES systems and things like that. I mean, obviously factory emissions, but, but for, you know, where we are, it's the vehicle emissions and it's also the empty miles. So those are the two big areas that uh, are, are the prime targets for us and how we can help inform our customers in their decision-making process about, you know, uh, uh, what can they do to really make better selections across uh, the carrier market. You know, the ocean industry in 2018, I think IMO kind of put out stipulations saying that, uh, you know, they had to go to low sulfur fuels. And so that was a huge for the ocean industry. And of course, different ocean liners took different techniques. Some of them just said, okay, I'm gonna buy the low, uh, uh, low sulfur fuels uh, and, and, and use my existing uh, engines and other ones put scrubbers on that, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of at the time that was kind of the major, major thing to do. But, but knowing which one of those two approaches on, and it's really on a vessel by vessel basis. So you have to kind of get down into the details. Uh, but those are, you know, kind of, and, and, and of course, railroads are big in our industry too. And the railroads are definitely very conscious about the new locomotives they buy at uh, at the class one railroads in the U.S. Are it, you know they take that into consideration, and being able to integrate those kind of statistics back into a system where you know it not only provides the cost and it provides how fast you're going to get to the destination, but you also want to see the carbon footprint. What is that carbon footprint for that particular route going from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam to, uh, uh, you know, uh, Berlin or to, uh, you know, Chicago or, or Indianapolis? And so that's what the cost, you know, that those are the ways that we can inform and help educate our customers or enable them to make better selections throughout. And so those are the, the, the it's really important uh, to be able, and the empty miles part, 
is all about, you know, how can you reduce the empty miles? And there's all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, algorithms that we we have come up with. You know, part of it is is the trucking industry and and, and moving cargo throughout uh, the U.S. and Europe and, and, and other nations. Uh, the other part of it, and where we're really big in, is is getting cargo, you know, over ocean in through rail, you know, into the hinterlands or in, in, inside of the inland terminals, and 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 once that cargo gets in and and is emptied or is is uh, unloaded, that container. Uh, that 40-foot container or 20-foot marine container has to go back on rail to the port, then it goes from the port back to the source, typically empty. And so we have a couple of different programs. Uh, one of the big programs we have is we call it um, uh, domestic reload. And so because of the imbalance in the United States of imports to exports, you know, there's like 5% exports to, to the imports. You can't always find an export load to match with an import load. For that fact, 95% of the time. So we have other programs. We call it domestic reload. We work with the railroads and we work with the, uh, the largest uh, ocean carriers to match um, and being able to use that 40-foot container for a domestic move that's maybe heading back to Savannah from Chicago or heading back to... Uh, uh, LA or, or Oakland, uh, areas like that. And we work closely with the ocean carriers to, you know, try to make sure that that, that return load has a cargo. And we introduced this program several years ago, but, you know, just to show you the focus now, it has grown exponentially in this last, uh, in the last year. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's amazing how much, uh, and, you know, we provide the platforms to kind of market these empty containers that's one of the, the things that uh, for mainly for domestic loads that Bloom does, and it's taken off like a rocket lately. So it's it's really done a it's, it's done a lot to reduce those empty miles. Yeah, you know that that example you know points to a problem that's historically plagued the transportation industry really across all modes, and that is just, you know the amount of waste and inefficiency you know that exists with you know empty miles being you know its main uh, you know its main symptom. And I think that obviously that's an area where, you know, technology, increased visibility, um, optimization technology is, is all helping to kind of, you know, reduce that waste and inefficiency, which again, I mean, historically, I think you would only think of it in terms of, you know, what will be the cost impact, you know, what's the cost impact of that waste and inefficiency, what's the service impact of that uh, waste and inefficiency, but now there's the added dimension of what is the carbon impact, what is the sustainability yep. impact to that that's adding you know, uh, uh, more impetus to, you know, ad address these issues. Um, you know, you, you, you talked about some examples in the ocean industry and rail, you know, obviously in the track, in the uh, trucking realm, you're seeing this move towards, you know, uh, electric vehicles, right? And, uh, exactly. you know, that's something that I think, you know, UPS and FedEx have been uh, focused on a lot in terms of converting a lot of their vans into electric vehicles. And they've stated some goals in that area. Uh, and then even just the class A trucks, you know, moving towards, you know, that uh, reality as well. So I think we're going to continue to see, you, you know, you know, the transportation industry itself, to your point, you know, this Absolutely. becoming a priority for them as well. So it's not just shippers. Um, it's also the carriers themselves that are investing in this, right? 
they have to. I mean, it's, it's essential that the carriers invest, and and they're doing it. And and you know, maybe different ones at a different pace. But uh, from the the steamship lines to the railroads to the aircraft, I mean, they're all. You know, and of course, we deal with these major miles, and and that's where you know we really focus. But also the trucking, like you said, the. Uh, uh, you know, electric, uh, electric trucks. And, and again, it's kind of that, um, you know, making sure that that's visible. So you can, you know, so that uh, everyone can take advantage of, of those new uh, technologies. And, and as, and by making it visible, it really allows uh, the different carriers to promote to promote their services and promote it in a way of not only, you know, cost efficiencies, but also in, uh, in sustainability. Right, right. No, great, great point. So, I mean, you've already, you know, provided some examples, but uh, I mean, are there other ways that technology can help companies achieve, you know, their, their supply chain sustainability goals? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll just kind of elaborate a little more on, you know, we, so again, I mean, uh, uh, while we do some FTL on LTL, a lot of uh, what we do is kind of moving cargo into and out of uh, rail ramps, seaports, and airports. And, and kind of that, we call it the first mile and the last mile, a little different from the last mile for the retail industry, but uh, that's kind of our last mile. And of course, you know, the, the other thing is being able to, uh, you know, uh, we call them street turns. You know, and 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 the LTL and FTL industry, they'd call it route optimization, and essentially it's a different form of route optimization. So being able to match outbound moves with inbound moves, and there's all kinds of savings there too. Uh, certainly, the sustainability part of it. So a street turn essentially is if I have a uh, uh, an outbound move from a rail ramp going to you know maybe maybe the rail ramps in Chicago. Lot, lot of rail ramps there, <laughs> and and uh, and it's going to uh, Indianapolis, and and then there's also you know an inbound move going from a neighboring city back. We look across all of our customers and our carriers and do a matching algorithm on that to try to match those inbound, and then we do the coordination with whoever the customer is to make sure that you know that. Uh, um, that, that they can actually do that uh, uh, matchup and, and that all the financial part of it works out, which a lot of times is challenging because as we all know, you know, there's there's the truck and then there's the uh, the container and then there's the chassis and each one of them tend to be opened by owned by a different company and and uh, and and the uh, the financial thing in addition to all the you know kind of other aspects of accounting have to work out. So I think you know for for us those are the kind of the key technologies, you know, making, making companies aware and then uh, and trying to leverage our visibility across, you know, the entire supply chain, uh, the transportation supply chain to do matching and matching on the domestic and on the, and, and, you know, we continue to invest very heavily there in uh, uh, another area of course is, is kind of that, uh, the, the route optimization itself. And you know, applying uh, uh, you know kind of traditional optimization techniques, but also you know with a lot of the um, you know. So one of the things we 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 invest heavily in is trying to make our customers more agile, and and that's becoming more important in in being able to deliver uh, the products into the market because you know typical lead time, order lead time on our products is. I mean, on uh, uh, with our customers is 37 to 40 days, and so 
the dynamics of the market change within that as, as the cargo comes across the ocean. The reason it's so long is because it involves an ocean journey and, and then maybe a rail journey and then finally into the, uh, in, into the end destination. So, you know, uh, uh, we, uh, we in, in, in this, uh, the newer technology like Bloom Maps, we look for the right kind of routes and we look at that dynamically. And for example, as the cargo comes into the port of Long Beach, and it's inevitably late these days because of all the backup at Long Beach and in LA. So you're at least five or seven days late. And now you're going to go through a transload facility and, you know, okay, maybe it was going to go on rail, but maybe it's more effective to go on truck. And again, looking at those different options, or maybe you want to take a sub set of the cargo and convert it over to uh, an express carrier, UPS, FedEx, DHL, to get it to its destination. And of course, you know, providing that kind of agility in the supply chain is essential these days. And you are freight forwarder customers are, and, and, and our carrier customers are, are, you know, all kind of going in the same direction. We're enabling that, but kind of going back to the sustainability, as you look at making those changes, we, our algorithms take into consideration what is the new carbon footprint on, on uh, you know, uh, uh, on that new route. And so, you know, those are other areas of heavy investment for Boyle. Yeah, and I, and I would think that, you know, that last point, you know, having that visibility or making that calculation in terms of, of what the carbon footprint impact would be of option A versus option B versus option C. I mean, I think that's what historically has been missing, right? Because people just, you know, you may have intuitively known or said, okay, this probably is going to be a, because it's a, uh, it's going more by truck than by rail or whatever, on a per unit basis, it's probably going to be more carbon intensive or so forth. But, you know, like anything else, you know, unless you actually measure it or have some kind of, of, of number associated with it, it's very hard to, you know, truly justify or, uh, understand, you know, what that impact is. So I think really for that, for many companies, I think the, that very first step is really just to have that visibility to what the current baseline is, and then understanding what the impact is based relative to all these different options that they may be faced with on a day-to-day -day basis, so that they can, you know, they may perhaps, um, you, you know, depending on what their goals are as a, as a company or so forth, they may opt to go for a higher cost because it's a lower carbon footprint in some cases. In other cases, they may say, you know what, we're gonna, in this case, you know, offer the lower cost, higher carbon footprint because of what, whatever reasons, right? But at least you're, 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 you've got all the data and you're able to make, you know, a more informed, complete decision than, you know, uh, not really understanding what the environmental impact is, right? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it, it's, you know, our carrier selection algorithm is, uh, uh, you know, it's big, you know, continue to add intelligence to it. It already has carbon emissions or as a, as a criteria and different customers can weight the different criterias, uh, cost on time performance, carbon emissions. And we are seeing the carbon emissions weight start to go up a little bit more. So that's a real indicator that, uh, you know, the, these companies are very serious. The logistics service providers uh, are very serious about uh, taking that into consideration. So that's. So kind of, kind of related to that. I mean, so it seems like it, that that's happening in terms of selecting carriers or maybe as part of the procurement engagement or, or so forth. I mean, are you seeing companies you know, including supply chain sustainability as part of their business case for 
you know, deploying supply chain software, right? So if they're kind of building the business case for a, a TMS or, a, you know, a, a logistics technology platform, you know, are you seeing companies put sustainability as one of the, you know, justify, you know, uh, justifications case, for it? Yeah. Yes, especially the logistics service provider market. I mean, it, it'll, I think it'll eventually get into the, you know, into the shipper market, the, the high-tech electronics and, and, and manufacturing. Uh, we, you know, we haven't seen it so much there, but definitely in the uh, freight forwarder and the RFPs coming through there and, and our conversations with those customers, they're taking it very seriously. And a lot of those companies are really headquartered in Europe. If you think about it, uh, uh, there's, you know, certainly North America has their share and there's, you know, some in China, but the ones that are really, that we see it mostly are, are the, these companies that are headquartered out of, out of Europe, Germany and, uh, and, and uh, the Scandinavian countries. Yep. Yep. No, interesting. Well, you, you know, we, we've, we've uh, kind of covered a lot of ground, but we're running, running a little bit uh, short on time here. So just yeah. as a way to wrap up, uh, you know, Glenn, I mean, when it comes to, you know, supply chain sustainability, I mean, which capabilities will separate the leaders from the laggards moving forward? Oh, it's got to be, you know, the uh, initially, you know, as we said, transparency, it's got to be able to see what's going on there and to be able to, uh, and, and I, you know, we do see, you know, I kind of have this vision at some point you pick up, a, I'll just use a can of peas and you turn it around and you look at the label. It's got the carb and it's got the sugar. It's got the, or carbohydrates, the, the sugars, all the, all the good stuff and bad stuff for you. And down at the bottom, it's going to have that little label saying, you know, what was the carbon footprint of, uh, of, cre- <laughs> of delivering this can of peas? <laughs> so I think, you know, we kind of, and, and, and everybody will be competing as that as a part of that criteria. So, you know, I, I think enabling that to happen is kind of subliminally some, some of the, you know, some of the ways, you know, we kind of think about that these days. Yeah. You know, I and mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've seen some, um, you know, efforts already in, in that vision that you have. I mean, I think people are already developing, you know, different kind of apps where you can, you know, scan the barcode or scan a QR code and then kind of see what the yep. journey, uh, you know, of that product, you know, and then obviously carbon footprint, you know, being one of the, the dimensions that, uh, you know, gets reported on. But I think you're right. I think that's that's kind of where I think the uh, uh, that that's the end goal, you know, for for a lot of companies is, is having that kind of, you know, uh, transparency and visibility all the way down to the unit product level. And, and make it transparent yeah. for, you know, consumers in terms of understanding, you know, that becoming another element for them in terms of their buying, you know, uh, decisions. Uh, well, uh, you know, Glenn, uh, you know, like I always say, we, we, we managed to scratch the surface on these topics. Obviously, this is a topic <laughs> that, you know, has so many different, you know, dimensions and elements, you, you know, to it. Um, but certainly it's a topic that I think we're going to continue to talk about and focus on in, in the weeks and months and, and years ahead for, you know, for sure. So again, thank you for making the time to, to be with us today and kind of sharing your perspective and advice on it. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure, Adrian. It, it, it's wonderful talking to you. You're, uh, and, and people love your show. I love your show. We watch it all the time. So, uh, uh, look forward to, uh, you know, continue to work with you on this. Well, thank, thank you for the kind words and certainly look forward to having you again on the, on the program in the, in the not too distant future. Sure. Uh, I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this show on demand, either at the Bloom Global website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Glenn, uh, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. 
Again, thank Absolutely. you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.